do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12:2. This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. By the end of the sixth century, Pope Gregory decided that it was incumbent upon him to bring the movement that Patrick and Columba had begun in the British Isles under the authority of the Roman Church. Venerable Bede, in his Ecclesiastical History of England, reported that upon seeing some Anglo-Saxon boys being mistreated in a Roman slave market, Gregory exclaimed, Non angeli, said angele, literally, not Anglos, but angels. He promptly sent Augustine of Canterbury and 40 other trusted evangelists to complete the evangelization of Britain. The missionary team landed on the Isle of Thanet. Making their way inland, they arrived at Canterbury, then the seat of Ethelbert, the king of Kent. He was married to a Christian princess, a daughter from the house of Clovis from Paris, After just three months of instruction, the king was baptized, and given that monarchy was the deciding institution in society, the king's baptism meant the beginning of Christian civilization. In 601, Pope Gregory sent three papal emissaries, Justin, Miletius, and Paulinius, to Britain to consecrate Augustine as an archbishop. His plan was to then install a bishop in London to oversee the expansion of the gospel in the south and at York for the work of ministry in the north. However, the plan to create a unified church across the whole of Britain was stymied by the independently-minded Celtic institutions across the north. So for more than half a century, there was a struggle between the British church and the Roman Church for authority in the region. In 625, Edwin, the king of Northumbria, married Ethelbert's daughter, who was therefore granddaughter of the Catholic king of Paris. A Roman cleric, Paulinius, was consecrated as bishop and sent north to preside over the see of York. In 627, Edwin accepted his wife's faith, and Paulinius baptized a large majority of the Northumbrian people. When Edwin became king over the whole of North England, the Roman Catholic authority was extended yet further. In 673, after having been appointed the Archbishop of Canterbury, Theodore of Tarsus called the First Ecclesiastical Synod held in Britain at Hereford, at which canons were established to conform with Roman tradition and practice. Perhaps more importantly, though, the synod divided England into a regular number of dioceses, eventually resulting in it organized into 17 bishoprics, 
By the time of Theodore's death in 690, all England was Catholic and in communion with Rome. The recalcitrant western part, confined to what is now Wales, Devon, and Cornwall, and most of the Scottish lowlands and highlands only gradually came into line. But it was left to King Alfred, a century later, to bring Britain fully into the fold of Christendom. From the late 8th through the 10th century, Viking, Norse, and Danish raiders began to ransack the exposed coastline of the British islands. The fierce pirates were a part of a great migration from the Russian steppes and Scandinavian fjords prompted by a shift in the global weather patterns. Arriving in their fearsome ships, the Drakars and Nors, these brigand adventurers were at first only interested in pillaging coastal villages for whatever booty might be easily stowed on board. But eventually, they initiated an occupying invasion. Hilaire Belloc asserts the struggle against them was one more of religion than of race. By the middle of the ninth century, the Norse invaders had seized most of northern and eastern England along with parts of Scotland, leaving only the south to conquer. Titanic battles ensued. On the battlefield, the Vikings were vastly superior to the agrarian Britons. Their shield-wall massing tactics and unbridled savagery seemed very nearly invincible. Soon, the only the little kingdom of Wessex remained outside their brutal hegemony. The young boy king of Wessex had come to the throne in 871 following the deaths of his father and his three older brothers. Each had perished in successive battles against the Viking horde. But Alfred had been prepared for a life of study, perhaps even vocational ministry, but now he found himself thrust to the front of a desperate struggle for survival. A devout Christian with a cunning intellect, Alfred marshaled all his gifts into a strategic defense of Wessex, eventually prevailing over the powerful Viking hosts at the battles of Eddington and Chippenham in 878. He was not only able to successfully halt the Viking conquest, he established secure borders between Wessex and Dane law in the north, and he won them to the gospel, even the great pagan warlord Guthrum. Anglo-Saxon England soon became a flourishing medieval kingdom of Christian culture, learning, and prosperous trade. Widespread reforms under the direction of Dunstan of Canterbury brought vibrant renewal to the church through the British Isles. He imposed the discipline of celibacy on the clergy. He replaced secular members of the clergy with qualified pastors and created standards for a geographical parish system. At long last, both resistance and Reformation 
brought the light of Christ to the whole of the land, from the chalky cliffs of Dover to the rugged shores of Shetland. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and resources, go to George Grant.